Good morning, everybody. We are still doing our current series called Eternal Life, What's Next? And that's a topic we all have an interest in because we all are going to face next one way or the other. And all of us want to know what happens after death. And the scriptures are clear here. They don't tell us everything. They don't answer all the questions, but we can determine a whole lot by carefully studying the scriptures. Sadly, even most Christians are confused about some aspects of what happens next. So what we're doing today is, or in this series is we're talking about death, we're talking about heaven, we're talking about our inheritance in Christ, we're talking about our priorities here in this life. We're even going to be mixing in a little bit. What about the spiritual world, such as angels? One of the things we did two sessions ago, we had a timeline. I think it's up here real quick. If you did not get one, please contact us. We'll make sure you get one. But this is basically a timeline of what happens next in various um you know, ages, like in the Old Testament era, the age of the church, what happens during the millennium, the new earth and heaven. And, um, and I, I know I say this every week, but I just want to encourage you to listen carefully, to take notes, maybe even take a, um, a screenshot of some of the verses, some of the passages, go back, look at them again, go back to previous sessions. This is a very important uh, topic in series for all of us to have a good understanding, not just for ourselves, but also to share with others. So last time we talked about present heaven and some about Hades. That is what happens, um, you know, in this life once we die. And again, that's a very important one. That's really probably for a lot of people, one of the most pertinent, um, you know, issues. What happens to me once I die. Now we're going to keep talking about what happens even after that. And today we want to start with talking about what about the return of Jesus? This age will soon end and Jesus is going to return for his second coming. Most of us who are probably listening to this understand that or at least know a little bit about that. Personally, I believe it's very likely that this generation or the next generation will witness all the events of the last days and Jesus coming back. Um, there's a lot of passages about the end days of this particular age. Matthew 24 is a good one to begin with because it's just the whole chapter is devoted to what Jesus says about it. But there's a lot of other passages too. And one of the things that we can see is that two main things have to happen. One, the gospel needs to be preached to all the nations. And second, there are prophecies concerning Israel, the Jewish people, coming back and recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. Both of those two things are very much in the works of coming together. And we don't have time to go in that today, but just believe me, that's happening. Other signs are mentioned too, especially in Matthew 24. He talks about wars and rumors of wars and famines and earthquakes. And, and in fact, one of the things he talks about is 
These are just merely the birth pains. But when we start seeing all the nations come to, or all the nations having the gospel preached, then we know the end is very near. So we have been in the process, I think, of the birth pains. And one of the things about birth pains, I'm not an expert, obviously, but I do know is that they increase in frequency and they increase in intensity. And when I look at the world today, it seems like that's what's happening. You know, the all the bad news, you know, whether it's COVID or political unrest or whatever, it's happening at a more frequent uh, rate and also a little bit more intense. So, yes, I believe Jesus is coming soon. Other things we know about the last days, there's going to be a period of tribulation, seven years. That's probably literal. We don't know for sure. But it's going to be extreme tribulation preceding the coming of Jesus. We also know that the Antichrist and the false prophets, prophet is going to emerge during this time of tribulation. We know there's going to be lots of persecution. There's going to be many, many martyrs for Christ. We know from the book of Revelation that there's going to be judgment falling on the earth. It's going to be a lot of judgment. Um, it looks like about at least one third of the earth's population will be wiped away. Now, all this is important, but really that's another topic and another series. What we want to focus in on is what happens when Jesus comes back and what happens right after that. So when Jesus returns, what do we know? Well, first of all, we know that a trumpet accompanies his return, right? And we see this, I mean, it's amazing how many times we see, well, let me just, let's just kind of read a couple of them. You know, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 30, 31. I'm just going to kind of read it here and you can go back and look at these. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. So this is going to be a big event. It's going to be accompanied with trumpets, a trumpet sound. And it implies that everyone on earth is going to be able to see and to uh, hear. In fact, in Revelation chapter 1, it says, every eye will see. What else do we know about his return? One is that he's going to return to the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives is a mountain right to the east of Jerusalem. <clears throat> it's where Jesus was with his disciples when he ascended into heaven. And in Acts 1, verse 11 and 12, it says, They also said, this is kind of a couple angels that appeared, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? 
This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. And he's going to be coming exact same place. As he went up, he's going to be coming back. Uh, and they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day, day's journey away. Then we can see in Zechariah chapter 14, in that day, talking about Jesus coming back, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other half toward the south. So we see that that's the Mount of Olives. You know, we can also see even in Ezekiel, the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood over the mountain, which is what? East of the city. Now, it's kind of interesting because uh, uh, the Jews, as well as Christians, believe that Jesus, when he returns, what is going to be the exact place that he comes to? The Mount of Olives. And it's kind of interesting, even Islam who believes there's going to be a Messiah, it's not the right Messiah, they even believe he's going to be coming to the Mount of Olives. So this is something that is in Old Testament, New Testament. And uh, if you go to the Mount of Olives today, there's graves all over the place, uh, you know, from uh, Jews, Christians, and Muslims, because they feel like that's where Jesus, or in the case of Islam, where that Messiah is going to come to. So he's going to return to the Mount of Olives. Another thing we can see is that angels are coming with him. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will re then repay every man according to his deeds. So this is going to be, this is going to be a trumpet. Every eye is going to be able to see. Angels are going to become. Matthew uh, 24, 31. I think we already kind of looked at this, but we'll read it again. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect, that is, those who are believers, from the four winds, from the end of the sky to the other. So angels are going to be coming. Another thing that happens on his return, I mean, this is a big, big event. You know, those alive will meet the Lord in the air. And, um, you know, because there will be people who make it through the last days, make it through the tribulation. And if they are a believer in Jesus Christ, if their names have been written in the books of life, then they are going to ascend up to be with the Lord. And uh, we can see in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, by this we say to you, by the word of the Lord, meaning, okay, this is important, that we who are alive and remain into the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, there it is again, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be called up together with them, meaning all the others that are risen from the dead, you know, uh, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. 
Amen. We'll always be with the Lord. I like that phrase. Now, that's those who are alive, those who have died and have been buried. And of course, as we talked about last week, their spirits, their souls are with the Lord. Then they are going to be resurrected. And again, and, and, and by the way, I could probably use a lot more verses. I'm just trying to kind of show you that, yeah, this is in the scriptures, not just in one place, but in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. And, and then we kind of uh, move to the uh, next verse. Okay, there's not an X verse there. Okay, so uh, so we'll be resurrected. So let's talk a little bit about this resurrection. Now, the scriptures teach that there are actually two resurrections and that everyone's going to be resurrected. Those who've lived in a bad life and uh, those who uh, who have honored God, they both are going to be resurrected okay so the first resurrection happens when jesus returns and these are believers in christ those who belong to christ the second resurrection we're going to talk about in another week or so it's at the end of the millennium and that includes everybody else and uh, so what's important for us is that we are a part of the first resurrection when Jesus comes back. And uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is probably one of the best passages that talks about the resurrection. And you may want to just read through two or three times this passage. But let me just kind of just mention a couple places. First of all, in verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body, it is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And then in verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the earthy, while we're down here, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. And then in verse 50, now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we all will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. There's a lot more to this chapter. But let, let me just kind of say, there's several things that are real clear. First, we must have that resurrected 
immortal heavenly body in order to inherit the kingdom of God. He says that in verse 50, doesn't it? So it has to happen for the kingdom, for us to inherit the kingdom in its fullness. Another thing we see, our bodies will be immortal, imperishable. And imperishable literally it means it's not able to be corrupted. It can't get sick. It can't, it's not going to decay. It's just going to be, it's going to be whole, you know. Uh, we also are told that our bodies will bear the image of the heavenly, you know. And, and of course, when God first made mankind, what did he say? He made him in his image. And so we're going to go back and we're going to bear the image of the heavenly. It says that, it says that there in uh, verse, um, verse 49. You know, so and also based on all of this and what it says there in those last couple of verses we read, our bodies will never die. They're not going to get sick. They're not going to weak, get weakened. They're not going. They'll never die. There are we're going to have perfect bodies and death no longer will have any power over us. And that's what's going to happen at the first resurrection when we go to meet with Jesus. So whether we're still living or we've died, we'll all at that time get our resurrected bodies. Now, I know there's a lot of questions. I've had this, some of the same questions. At what age will our body be? What will we look like when we, um, when we get our resurrected body? Will it be the, the body of when we die? Probably not. Will it be, uh, in our 20s, we'll be in our 40s. You know, those are questions that we just don't know. But we do know they're going to be perfect. And everyone will get their new bodies then. Now, last week, and I've had some questions about this already, I mentioned that in present heaven, when our bodies are down here decaying in the ground, you know, and our spirit, our soul is in heaven, present heaven, Will we have a body? And the answer is, we will not have our resurrected body. Many people feel, and there's some good reason, that we will have some type of a temporary body. But basically, the answer is that we don't know for sure. The scriptures aren't clear. We will be able to recognize one another, talk to one another. So there's going to be some sense of body, it looks like. You know, it does talk about, in Revelation 6, about the... Um, uh, the martyrs, they're wearing white robes. We assume that others who've died too. So what are they hanging those white robes on? Some type of temporary body? Perhaps. But again, we don't know. What we do know is when Jesus returns, we get our glorified body. Will it look like what we look like now? Yes, somewhat. You know, because God created us. And, uh, and Jesus, when he was in his resurrected body, he looked familiar, didn't he? I mean, he, it's not like he kind of changed and became a new body, you know. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, with a new look, it was a new body, but it was it was um, you know it had the resemblance of the person before, and so I think that's pretty safe to assume. Okay, the other big thing that happens when Jesus comes back, 
And he comes back with a trumpet with all the angels and every eye will be able to see. I mean, it's going to be a big, big deal. You know, we're going to, we're going to meet him in the sky. You know, uh, our bodies are going to uh, be resurrected. We're going to get those uh, resurrected bodies. And then it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this is when we all gather the saints of all ages. So there's going to be Moses and Abraham and David and Daniel. There's also going to be, you know, uh, Timothy and John, the disciples and Paul and all the people through church history who have died knowing Christ, be resurrected. And for the very first time, we're all going to be together, all of us. And it's going to be a glorious reunion. And this event is called this first event of that part of eternity is called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. Why the Marriage Supper of the Lamb? Well, we, the believers in Christ, we're the bride of Christ. And Jesus, of course, is the bridegroom. And now we will be, beginning at the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, we will be together forever and ever and ever, literally. Revelation chapter 19. Um, this is just kind of a glimpse of what happens at the very beginning once we're all resurrected. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. Who's the great multitude? You're going to be there. It's talking about you and me. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he's judged the great harlot who is corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And the second time they say, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. So there's a, some people call this the fourfold hallelujah. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. And the voice came from the throne saying, Praise God to our, praise, give praise to our God, all you bond servants, you who fear him, the small and the great. And we could say from all ages. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude. Again, that's us. And like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. This is a picture of the beginning of our time with Jesus when we are all together for the first time with our resurrected bodies. And all heaven's rejoicing, isn't it? Including us. We're that great multitude. And it's going to make any football game that's exciting where everyone's kind of shouting and yelling, it's going to make all that just seem like nothing because all the saints are going to be crying out, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, and then verse seven, let's kind of read about it. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage supper of the Lord has come and his bride has made herself ready. The bride of Christ, the church and the saints of all ages are the bride. And it's now time for the marriage of the Lamb. 
It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And we also know that the blood of Jesus has made us all white. You know, he's kind of cleansed us and made us righteous. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. Well, that, that kind of gets off in another area. We won't read that. But anyway, so this is the marriage of the Lamb and the marriage supper of the Lamb. And by the way, this event, Jesus spoke of it a lot of times, didn't he? Especially in his parables. In Matthew 22, the parable of the marriage feast. What is that about? It's about, you know, uh, it's looking for, it's prophetic of what's going to happen. In Luke 14, there's the parable of the guests. And then there's the parable of the dinner. And you know the story, there's various, um, uh, there's different variations of this parable. They all kind of have their own particular uh, point, but they all talk about there's a big dinner, a big wedding, people are invited, you know, uh, the uh, the servants, which right now represents us, we're, we're commanded to go out and to invite people to the marriage supper of the Lamb, to be a part of it. And that's exactly what we're doing in this age. But we're, we're, Part of our invitation is to be a part of the bride of Christ. Matthew 25, the parable of the 10 virgins. You know, there's a reference to the wedding feast. You know, that was the sort of the punchline of the end of the parable. And if you go back to the Old Testament, there's references to a marriage supper and a marriage of the bride and bridegroom that is spiritual in the Song of Solomon's, uh, Song of Solomon, it's you can find it in Psalm 45. You can find it in Isaiah 26, starting in verse six. There it talks about. It doesn't mention the marriage, but it says, "And the Lord's going to give this abundant feast, and He's going to invite the nations to it." This is a very big celebration, so much that Old Testament and New Testament have been talking about it. It's spoken all through the Scriptures. It's a big deal. And sadly, so many people know nothing about this. Revelation 15. I like this passage. Too. I know I'm kind of just jumping around, but I'm trying to give you an idea of what it's going to be like. Uh, uh, let's look at verse 2 through 4. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who've been victorious over the beast and his image, and the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, holding harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bond sermon of God. The song of Moses. You know, you can go back to Exodus 15 and read about that. The whole chapter is devoted. It's a victory song of how God intervened and redeemed his people, rescued his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and brought them to the promised land. And that's really a picture of what's happening here, that God has rescued us from Egypt, from slavery, and he's bringing us to a, what? To a promised land. And that is going to be with him forever and ever. 
And then it kind of says, and they also sang the song of the lamb. And who's the lamb? Jesus, of course. I don't know what the words are going to be, but one thing's true and evident that at the very end, we are, when Jesus gathers us up, it's going to be a it's going to be a marvelous reunion. It's going to be a celebration that none of us have ever experienced before. There's going to be food because it is the supper lamb. There's going to be laughter. There's going to be reunion and hugs and kisses. And there's going to be music. There's going to be praise. And, um, and really, I think the marriage supper of the lamb and all that happens there is just a really a foretaste of what's ahead for the rest of eternity. So I know we've covered a lot, but basically today we've talked about what? The return of Jesus and what happens. You know, we get our resurrected bodies. There's the marriage supper of the lamb. There's celebration. There's, there's shouting. There's the angels are all involved. There's a trumpet blast. You know, from when Jesus comes, it is a day that we're all, or we should all be looking forward to. Okay, so next time we're going to start by looking at the millennium because we are right now, we're at the beginning of the next age. And I've just talked about just the beginning. Next week, we could go into a lot more detail about it. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you're coming back. Lord, I know you've rescued us spiritually from this evil and dark world, but Lord, that's just the beginning. You are literally going to take us out and Lord, you're going to bring us up to be with you. Lord, it's going to be a great, marvelous day when that happens, when you come back. Every eye is going to see. There's going to be angels. Uh, there's going to be a big trumpet. There's going to be a shout. We're all going to rise with you if we're living. And if we're not living, we're going to rise from the dead. And for the very first time, Lord, all the saints, all your children, all those who believe in you, the entire church from around the world, scattered in all generations, we're going to gather together to praise you and to worship you and to celebrate. And yes, probably have lots of good times and laughter. And it's going to be the... It's going to be the culmination of, of everything that we've known before, but yet at the same time, it's just going to be the beginning of everything that's ahead. Lord, give us a, an excitement about what you have for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks a lot.